The start of the F1 2022 season is right around the corner with pre-season testing just days away and as such, even more teams have now revealed their liveries and designs for their entries to the year. Welcome to episode 167 of the F1 Grid Talk podcast. Today we're here to discuss the newly revealed cars, or liveries in some cases, of the Alpha Tauri, Williams, Ferrari and Mercedes cars for the 2022 F1 season. My name is Ruby Price and joining me today we have journalist Louis Edwards. Hello. Master of Engineering Jack Watson. Hello. And Steve Jackson from Formula Shakedown. Good morning. We promise he's there. First, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or shout out all of you who do to say thanks. You can also now leave five-star reviews on Spotify. So if that has been enabled on the device that you're listening to it, give us a five-star review on Spotify. So before we look at the cars, I just want to garner a bit of reaction from the guys regarding the news that after the inquiry into the events that took place in the last few laps of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, it has been revealed that Michael Massey will no longer continue to be the race director going forward. Instead, the position will be held by Eduardo Freitas and Niels Wittich. Louis, what do you make of this? Was relieving Massey the right decision? I mean, we've had it non-stop really since the... um since the season ended in in Abu Dhabi in December. And I think the FIA were coming under some serious scrutiny, as was was right. And eventually they had to do something. I think this is something that couldn't have just been sort of washed into the carpet because it's been very clear from, from the fans that this is something that needed to be changed. And not only the fans, the teams were also calling for change. So... It, it, it made the most logical sense. And of course, Michael Massey, regardless of even that see, uh, that race in Abu Dhabi, wasn't having a particularly brilliant year anyway as FIA director. He was making horrendous errors you know, throughout the season. So I think it was the right decision. And there's been quite a lot of, um, think, of changes announced, which I think is the right thing to do. At least the FIA are acknowledging what happened. Of course, this isn't going to affect the outcome of the championship, no matter how many people still want that to happen. It's not going to happen, but at least the FIA have recognised the issue and have made a very clear intention that this will never happen again. Yeah, absolutely. Jack, it's been announced that the FIA will also be introducing a series of new structures, including for example, a standalone race control unit to function similarly to VAR in football. Do you agree a virtual body is what's needed in F1 to provide assistance to the race director? I think it's a necessary uh, requirement given they plan to rotate. We've seen it before with stewards, which operate under a similar system. You, I mean, look, people are only human. You're always going to get a difference of opinion, but a rule book needs to be applied in a very exacting way if there is a point where a human would look at a infringement and be on the limit about it of the two very qualified replacement rds we have in place they could go either way so for those marginal cases i think it's a very good thing to include also you gotta bear in mind the amount of data that one man essentially was being flung (laughs) you would expect a computer to deal with so it I'm just kind of surprised it's not being included sooner, in a way. But I mean, if F1 is nothing, uh, if not archaic. So, yeah, I think it's a good decision. Inevitably, 
we will get frustrated with its outcomes as people do with VAR. But I mean, I think it's a, a necessary evil, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I remember like in the few years before VAR was introduced, every single football fan was saying, this is why we need video assistant referees and stuff like they've got in the rugby. And then literally half a year later, like they're like, VAR needs to go. It's unacceptable. Yeah, finally, Steve got Eduardo Veritas and the World Endurance Championships race director for 20 years and Niels Wittich, the former DTM race director coming in to replace Massey. Obviously, we've yet to see how things will go, but, you know, is there anything that you know we can expect from them? Yeah, Eduardo Freitas's reputation precedes him. He is a very no-nonsense uh, individual. He has been sort of party to a couple of odd decisions. So one of those being the, uh, I think it's the final round of WEC last year between Porsche and Ferrari and GTE. If you're an if you're an endurance racing fan, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But I think they're probably they both both Freitas and Wittich are both probably the most qualified people for the job. Something that I've had to bear in mind because obviously Abu Dhabi was a very polarizing sort of event was that Michael Massey was put into that role in fairly sort of sudden and quite sad circumstances. And I think he genuinely did his very best. And obviously it's come back to bite him just one too many high profile mistakes. I wouldn't expect that from Freitas or Wittich considering their you know, their resume. However, Formula One is quite a is quite a brutal sport. Um, I think the one advantage they do have is that teams can no longer lobby directly to race control or to the race director, I should say. So there is a um there is now a structure in place for teams to contact the race director and it's not Toto Wolf or Christian Horner or Jonathan Wheatley or anybody breathing down their necks. So I think they've definitely got their work cut out for for them. There is reputational damage that they need to take into consideration as well. So I think the first few races of the year, like anything for 2022, will show just how they fit in. But I think having a rotation of two different race directors is a good idea just to sort of, you know, hopefully alleviate any concerns of bias or anything like that. So yeah, looking forward to how they do. Freitas especially has a incredible reputation. He's very respected in everything he does. So I think he'll he'll command that in the paddock, especially. Yeah, absolutely. And just to touch on the um, you know, lack of well, the new procedures, let's say, to contact the race director mid-race, you know, I will certainly be grateful not to be hearing, you know, Red Bull and Mercedes just constantly going off to you know michael massey mostly because michael massey won't be there but also because you know the the new procedures it just got so grating towards the end of the season but yeah that is the news basically so let's get on to the cars and louis let's start with alpha tari's at03 just visually at the minute you know it's a very similar color scheme to last year's alpha tari you know the majority of blue with the white accents and stuff first impressions what do you think? I think it's an absolutely beautiful looking car. It's one of the few liveries that I think have really worked with the shape of the car to just make it look as good. Some some of the cars have just, it seems to me, they've just slapped a livery on, on whatever shape that was going to come out of it. But AlphaTauri, no, it is a, it's a striking looking car. Yeah, they kind of, just flip the colours a bit, which they kind of then did last year. But I think the AlphaTauri livery in general has been really nice ever since it it came in in 2020. So, uh, 
yeah, uh, <laughs> there's not really much I could say. Sort of more about the livery. It's a livery that I think we're going to expect to see just very few changes to over the next however many years they're in Formula One. But yeah, I definitely can't go wrong with it. It's a it's a beautiful car. Yeah, absolutely. And Jack, coming to you, you know, for some engineering insight. It's going to happen quite a bit today. But is there anything that like you've noticed with this car that you know, obviously other teams are going to be trying to maybe copy or along the other lines of, you know, will have gone a completely different direction because they've got their own philosophies? Not particularly, because to my eyes, it looks like it's the model still. <laughs> so it's a bit hard to judge because everyone would be working off of the same basis. Only on the front end. I think the rear maybe has a little bit of a unique look. Something, uh, I mean, well, they're all being very coy about their diffuser design, but certainly how that integrates with the rear suspension is something we might be able to use to get a bit of a look at the Red Bull, because obviously Red Bull very much did just use the standard design and only reveal a livery. So yeah, not much. I mean, to be honest, Red Bull still being under that uh, Red Bull umbrella, umbrella, sorry, they are going to, they're going to share a lot of parts and Red Bull are going to enforce a lot of secrecy in that side of things so i wouldn't expect a lot of what we see here to be carried over into testing packaging wise which has been a big talking point it looks fairly conventional there's no real there's there's no real sort of draw to it it seems we haven't seen a repeat of the trick aston martin sidebars either i'm surprised i haven't seen red bull try that well they may have done it might be something we see later on we'll have to wait but um a fairly conservative design i'd say yeah that's a that is a good point like it does now that you've mentioned it it does basically look almost exactly like the uh show car if not if it isn't indeed the show card with an alpha tauri skin on it yeah uh steve have you got um anything to add on the alpha tauri that we might have missed oh it's kind of strange i mean as mentioned already this could just be all a smokescreen uh, or you know just just teams playing games with each other this is a render we've seen just refresh my memory the actual alpha tauri reveal they did have a physical card there didn't they no they didn't no sorry no they no. didn't so this is this is just a render so based on what we can see and i'm also comparing it to this incredibly blurry side-on photo of the actual red bullet silverstone i think the side pods might be more or less what they're going for so there's quite a deep undercut immediately below the actual intake for the cooling and that runs down quite sharply towards the floor so i think they might be trying to do something similar along similar along the lines to what uh, aston martin and ferrari have done with their floor but just a less extreme interpretation if you look at the aston and the ferrari they've both got basically a like effectively a double floor design. Hopefully it doesn't bite them in the ass like it did with Ferrari in the 90s. But there's quite a distinctive sort of cutout below that intake. And then it, um, it sort of does that again along the top of the side pod heading down towards the Coke bottle section. So if that is what they're going for, then they're obviously going the complete opposite direction to some of the other designs we've seen where they're just wanting to have all the cooling just sort of vent out where the suspension is and, you know, that's sort of what we've seen over the last few years. The difference is these cars have now all got beam wings, which are returning for this year. So they can use a bit of that sort of lower, potentially lower energy, warmer air to 
basically stall that rear wing, that that uh, beam wing at high speed. However, this is all just speculation. I'm not an aerodynamic engineer, so I don't know. But apart from that, it looks fairly conventional. I wouldn't really read too much into it myself because I don't think that's going to be anywhere near what that car is actually going to look like once we get to um, Barcelona, if we're actually allowed to see anything at all. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if we do get to see anything from Barcelona because it is going to be a um, closed doors test, I believe the report was. But Louis, let's talk about a car that you know we have actually, I want to say seen in the flesh, but we've seen photos of an actual car that has been driven on track and stuff. The Williams FW44, it's very blue. It's very blue. <laughs> but, you know, like, how how do you think this compares to last season's livery, which was divisive in itself, but I think a lot of people ended up liking it by the end of the season. Yeah, I think I think with Williams, I think a lot of people just want them to go back to the sort of the blue, blue, white and yellow sort of livery from the 90s. But as you said, yeah, this, this livery is very blue, a lot more blue than what was last year. And just as I've said, sort of in our group chats on also on Twitter. I think Williams are very lucky that Alpine are going to have quite a bit of pink on their car this year. Otherwise, um, I think it could be a quite easy to mistake the two. As for the delivery itself, it, it's not my favourite. It's it's kind of just there. It is just a livery. And as for the car itself, of course, I'm having to look at pictures that are <laughs> obviously made it designed to you know make it difficult to see what the actual car is looking like because all of the renders that we've seen and all this sort of up close photos that we've seen have all been renders off the off the show car and not the actual car but um as for sort of what it looked like on track it looks all right i don't know how it's going to perform williams of course had quite a lot of time to work on this car because they were given permission by the the fia to develop pretty much it was pretty much williams who developed the show car um, to begin with so they've had a lot of time to to work on this and yeah it's <laughs> we'll probably go to jack to figure out if anything they've done is um particularly of interest but the only thing i really spot is it's just how high that front wing is and it's very similar to what aston martin have done yeah the front uh the high front wing does certainly stick out and jack as louis so kindly pointed out we're probably going to come to you for some things like that but one thing i've noticed from like an aerial shot i don't know if it is like from the render or if it's just you know a different one but it does appear to be very tight at the rear as well no you're right sort of most of the packaging around the side seems to be a big talking point from when they when they revealed the car certainly out on track talk about the nose section first i think that's probably our biggest sort of it's it's our new high rate low rate thing isn't it high nose or uh, low nose it's all about um, treating how the air meets the front of the floor um, whether you get the wing quite literally out of the way and get clear flow for it or try and condition it with mainly what people will be doing with that first plane of the wing but as you were talking about with the packaging the, probably the biggest giveaway that they were trying to be a bit more extreme is kind of the wrong word but in that sort of sense is that you, there's certainly on the car they shook down at Silverstone you can see a bubble just under the side pod inlet which would be for the um, side impact protection, the, the newly revised side impact protection rules. And they've tightened up the bodywork so much around that that they need a blister in it to account for it, um, which is unusual. You don't normally see that sort of thing make it through 
almost like a blemish, if you like. I think, again, one kind of word, but yeah, it's rare to see that sort of thing. We haven't got a double floor. They've gone a bit like the racing point. Was it Magella with 2019, I think, where they took the weird sort of sloping side pod uh, where it converts to the floor. We kind of got that sort of style. No real louvers either, so they're really focusing on sending all the hot air from the engine bay through to out under uh, under the main plane of the rear wing through past the beam wing and such. Also, their DRS seems a touch different. They've gone for a slightly different actuator design on their, um, again, on the car that they shook down. Um, the DRS actuator seems to be in a slightly different position to others, so might be something to look out for. But, I mean, this is we're going to see a massive development rush over the first half of the season, so it's anybody's guess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is going to be interesting to see just how similar the cars are you know in even not australia in bahrain at race one to like the things that we've been seeing you know of the shakedown cars or of renders etc but uh steve in our um group chat you mentioned something about holes in the side pod um that you like spotted in the shakedown photos of the williams um is there anything that you could well have you confirmed for a start if there were holes in the side pods or not or um and what they would be using those for if there are from what I'm gathering, that photo is actually is the actual car. And yes, there are holes in the side pod. I don't, again, not an expert on this. This is pure speculation, but I suspect they might be doing something similar to what Red Bull did with the RB09. But instead of using exhaust gases, they're using waste heat from the very tight cooling. So as Jack pointed out, it's incredibly tightly sculpted i mean you can see that lower side impact bar sort of just jutting its ass out the side of the car it's not a particularly elegant solution but i think what they might be going for is just trying to sounds a bit strange but generate quite a bit of heat in that side pod creating a bit of heat soak which is then vented out the back of the side pod and down towards the floor so that's obviously going to basically energize you know the floor where it kicks up towards the uh kicks up towards the beam wing. They can do very limited stuff aerodynamically with the sculpting on the rear suspension. And I suspect that the pull rod design they've gone for for the rear might be something to do with that as well. Just given the way that suspension element is angled, that will obviously help feed that hot charged air up towards that beam wing as well. So I think we we heard rumors, I think late last year that a couple of teams had clued on to something a bit different i don't know if it's williams who i'd factor into that but they're certainly trying something a wee bit different my concern is is that they're still stuck in this mindset of having quite an airflow critical car they had that last year in ideal conditions it worked very well but as soon as it got into any sort of like you know slightly off angle airflow or traffic or that sort of thing it it had a tendency to fall over and be quite nervous and we saw that happen a few times, especially to Nick Latifi, who I think is a bit more used to driving something a bit more planted. George Russell was able to sort of handle that a wee bit more. Obviously, he's not there anymore. So what they make of this new design, I'm very keen to hear from the drivers what they think of this new car. But I mean, besides that, it's fairly conventional. Can't remember who mentioned it before. It was either Louis or Jack. This, you know, the high wing versus low wing thing is really the new rake of 2022 i suspect because of the way that front wing is actually shaped a lot of the air running inboard is going to be pushed up and out of the way of the side pods so i think they're probably relying more on airflow below the wing to feed the um 
venturi intakes and so on but besides that i mean we need to see more of the car but that very blurry photo of the car pulling out of the garage there are two very distinctive holes in the back of the side pod and if you have a look at the i think we've only got two or three photos of the williams actually on track i think it's the last photo where it's actually out running on track if you have a look at the side pod just behind that element that joins the mirror onto the top of the side pod if you have a look just past that and down a bit I think you can actually see one of the holes. I don't know if that's just a reflection or whatever, but there's um, there's something going on there. I'm really keen to see side on and the you know the rear angles of that car because they've I think they've intentionally not given us anything of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's certainly one of the things that we're getting from a lot of the team car reveals, well, livery reveals for the most part this season is that no one wants to give away anything because we're going through a whole new era of F1 really. And, you know, you don't want to give your competitors, you know, something to go on. And, but yeah, just one last thing on that Williams. Fortunately, no signs anywhere of British energy. And considering that that was one of the he- heavily rumoured things, I think we can all breathe a very nice sigh of relief. But yeah, Louis, uh, let's move on to Ferrari's F175. You know, they've got naming regulations the same as Microsoft's Xbox, these bloody things. But for once, you know, it's a nice simple one the f-175 i think it looks great and i think a lot of other people do too and you know that nose is certainly something to talk about um apparently it's modular but yeah the ferrari f-175 what do you think i mean talk about it like we've been talking that teams are you know playing the cards close to the chest and then suddenly ferrari come out with a design that we haven't we a design that we just completely haven't seen from any of the other the other teams whether it is something of course that we all see a lot more of from other teams or just something that they put on their their show is the well, their their first sort of car we don't know what it's going to look like come a couple of months but yeah the first thing you you notice of course is that front wing it's very pointed it's quite long actually the way that they've done it it's not just it just doesn't come to a point it's kind of like a it slowly comes to a point and then also you have to look at the side of the car and the big divots and big scoops in the um in the side pods similar to i think someone pointed out that similar to something that mclaren did back in uh it's 2013 on their car they kind of just like scooped their side pods um i'll have to ask jack what what it does but um certainly from a visual aspect it looks like um ferrari are you know not afraid to to really you know go out there and show what they've they've done so far and Considering this is meant to be a season that a lot of people are backing Ferrari to do very well, you know, this is meant to be Ferrari season. And it's very clear from their launch that they they have high expectations of what they're going to get out this season. You know, they've got two drivers who last year were incredibly quick when the machinery allowed them to be. And if this Ferrari allows either Leclerc or Sainz to be fast, then you're looking at serious title contenders. Yeah, absolutely. Ferrari have been talking a very big game in the run-up to the start of this season, especially with their um, car launch. And Jack, you know, Louis mentioned it a little bit, like this car is very moulded. You know, I've seen memes comparing like the slopes that they've got on the car to you know, a rouge and stuff, you know, just how, from what you've seen, like, is this a Ferrari embracing aerodynamics as opposed to just going really quickly? I mean, it's only the fact that it's one of the most visually arresting cars, it, it just sort of gives the game away a little bit that they are trying something. As mentioned before, they are 
also going for that double floor design. So uh, if you look at the side profile of the car, you can kind of see that the underside of the side pod, the, the main red part between the floor ceiling surface and the lower side portion is an aero profile. It's another way of speeding up the air to, again, bring a bit more downforce towards the centre of the car. Very unique to this car. So, I mean, we'll see if it works. Given that they have gone so aggressively, I mean, the engine development is frozen. You've got to think that they are going to have been trying new ideas to make up performance elsewhere. Also, they've had to shed a fair load of staff, given the budget cap. Most of them have gone to Haas now. So maybe a lighter workforce has actually encouraged a bit more bouncing ideas off of each other within the design team. Maybe it encouraged to get a bit more experimental rather than getting bogged down in larger and larger groups. We'll see if it's a philosophy that has been followed and works for them. The front wing, as mentioned before, is... Now, I, this is the one thing I have struggled with. I, I get called the master of engineering. I'm by no means an expert. This modular design, I think the idea is to uh, sort of help with development throughout, throughout the season rather than being locked into a philosophy. It gives them a bit of freedom both inboard and outboard. And whilst we see as the season goes on which direction of wing loading proves to be the best, it means that Ferrari wouldn't be stuck in a form of design that then just he makes them hemorrhage time throughout the season as other teams pick up the pace. Another thing that I noticed with this car, again on the side profile, is they seem to be the only one that have got conventional looking rear wing end plates. I don't know if that's just a trick of the of the way it's looking, but a lot of people a lot of the other teams seem to have that very sculpted down towards the rear diffuser flanks, um, one sort of shape, no real um definition to it. A very smooth flying form, whereas the side profile of the Ferrari has an almost traditional boxed rear wing end plate with the wing sort of protruding through the top. Um, quite unusual. I don't know if I'm just noticing on that and being blind to it on other cars. I'd be willing to hear what the rest of you think. Yeah, sticking on that then, Steve, is that something that you've picked up on as well, just for the Ferrari? And also, as a second question, do you think this Ferrari looks better now that it's lost the tobacco sponsorship? Well, the secret tobacco sponsorship that wasn't really secret. Yeah, the uh, the not tobacco tobacco sponsorship. Yeah, that green was disgusting. I'm glad to see it gone. And if Mission Winnow never come back to Formula One again, it'll be too soon. Yeah, the rear wing design that Jack pointed out was something that I was actually looking at. Now that he's pointed it out, it's wildly different to anything we've seen. Like that, If you have a look at the... I think the head-on shot of the Williams, I think it's heading down the pits. That's basically like a, you've got your main wing, like horizontal elements, and then it curves immediately downwards towards the uh, towards the beam wing. But it's basically a consecutive profile, whereas with the Ferrari, it's quite, I think it's a far more realistic looking solution. I think what we're looking at is probably the best representation of what we can ex actually expect these cars to look like when we get them out on track. I don't think Ferrari are hiding anything. There's a lot going on. I was very amused to hear all the different theories around the NACA duct on the nose. I'm pretty sure that's just to cool the driver or some of the electronics. But yeah, there is, there's future proofing in this design that I don't think we've seen with any of the other cars i mean you've got these i mean bathtubs basically in the side pods which is great for for the hotter races you know if the drivers get hot they can just have a soak in the bath but there are ways that like if this if they get a few races down the road and they find that this uh, severe undercut out of the top of this 
side pod philosophy isn't working, then there's potential for them to change it. But I think they've got quite intentional packaging in there. I wouldn't be surprised if the radiator is basically like sort of sitting up against the outer wall of the side pod at almost 90 degrees to the ground with some clever ducting to feed it. And then it, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and then it again vents that hot air out of those louvers to, to try and energize the rear wing. I, I mean, one thing that all these teams are going to be trying to do is make the airflow out the back of the car as annoying for the guy for the guy behind as possible. And while the FIA have tried everything they can to mitigate that, we know what Formula Tip Formula One teams are like. They will find any trick in the book as long as it's legal or vague enough to be acceptable to try and make it as irritating for the car behind as possible to even get close to them, let alone pass. Yeah, besides that, I think it's quite an elegant design. I think this would be my pick visually out of what we've seen so far. But I think it's just the combination of red with black wings that just it's a it's more of a nostalgia thing for me than anything else. But yeah, I mean it's a it's a really tidy design. But the thing that excites me the most about this car is I think it's representative of what we can expect. They're not. I don't think they're hiding anything. I'd be very surprised if this car looks massively different once we get to testing or that. So I mean we've seen it and its shakedown runs now and it's identical. There's no difference. So um, from what I could see anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, the speculation around Ferrari going for pull rod front suspension is gone. Obviously, they've got push rod, same as Haas. And I, I think the Alfa Romeo spy shots that we've seen, it's push rod on the front as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's conventional enough on the surface. But, yeah, I mean, there's some really interesting detail there. The double floor is really neat. I love the side pod idea that they're doing. Definitely the most radical design we've seen so far. I'm, I'm really keen on it. Yeah, absolutely. And... Louis, let's talk about radical redesigns. The Mercedes W13 is back in silver. The silver arrows are back. You know, for starters, just to lay my hat down, I think this is one beautiful looking car. I mean, I think, to be fair, I think all of the cars like that we've seen in terms of liveries have all actually looked really stunning this season. Well, this this preseason. What do you think of the Mercedes W13? Yes, I mean, the, the black has been nice for the last couple of years, but um, no, I, I'm glad to see that Mercedes are, are back in silver. It do, it just looks, not like it feels right, but it it just looks so much nicer in the way that they've done it. They have still tried to incorporate as sort of as much black into the into the car as, as possible, but it is a very, very nice looking car. And one that Mercedes will be really hoping does well. We've seen multiple different versions of this car already. The one that they released in the renders was completely different to the one that they released in the launch. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the launch car and the one that we've seen in the shakedown runnings at Silverstone have been the same. So I think it's probably best to to look at the car that was out on track and to look at the car that was actually in the launch as the one that Mercedes are putting, um, will be, well, will be running this season. Not any changes that may happen between now and, and Bahrain. But, uh, from what I've seen of the car out on, out on track in some very questionable conditions, <laughs> especially in the UK at the moment. Yeah, it, it looks good. And I really reached my, uh, my knowledge of, what's actually going on um yeah on a formula one car in terms of aerodynamics and engineering but it does look good and 
the old sort of cliche that we've seen throughout these F1 launches. Well, if it goes as as you know as quick as it looks, then uh, we're on for a world championship car. Yeah, uh, Jack. Considering that you know their 2021 title rivals Red Bull like only showed like a livery reveal on the show car, and we've actually seen you know Mercedes sort of show their hands to an extent. Are you surprised that you know they've very much laid down a gauntlet like this, or you know, do you think that this is Mercedes being like, "Hey, look, this is what we've got. Beat this." I don't know. I mean, there's always. Uh, I think a lot of people will have found an idea that they haven't thought of in those cars that have been revealed with any form of realistic design. Bearing in mind that we are so close to testing now, it's not like they're going to be introducing stuff actually big formula one teams they may well be taking some ideas and introducing it into testing um clout is something that they're not sure of but i wouldn't be surprised if mercedes given again those that quick clout of resources that if they wanted to show an older aero evolution then they could so, like front wings rear wings they change them pretty much whenever they feel like and they're the sort of things that capture the attention. Also, you've got to bear in mind a lot of stuff that will have a big impact on the car is stuff that we cannot see because it's under the car or buried deep within the bowels of the suspension, the rear suspension especially. And that's one good thing about testing in Silverstone. That area of the car is very well hidden. <laughs> With regards to how it compares to the launch car, I think the biggest difference for me is the front end. They definitely went way more aggressive on the, especially the front wing end plates and kind of the loading. You could kind of see where a lot of teams have gone inboard loaded. Mercedes went very much outboard loaded, almost like they were trying to generate old school outwash. I don't know if that would have been like conceptually within the rules, but for whatever reason, the car that they shipped down at Silverstone doesn't feature this. One thing that did carry over though. It's the clearest I've seen it on any non-augmented pictures so far is the flow conditioning into the Venturi tunnels. There's a lot of strakes and turning vanes to guide and funnel the air under the car and to manipulate it into the Venturis as they need it to, more so than I've seen on anything else. Packaging-wise, we've seen some quite aggressive options from the two Mercedes customer teams, McLaren and Aston Martin. Mercedes themselves don't seem to have gone with that down that avenue again not with the car they tested anyway whether or not something else is in the pipeline we don't know but they're certainly not going as aggressive as ferrari as mentioned it looking at the that cut out the side was almost like the old coander exhaust trying to generate a vortex down but for all we know bearing one they've kept that black it's going to be good at hiding something there may be something on the trailing edge of the floor as the venturi opens up there may be some conditioners there that have been hidden in the photos that would start to influence the way the is introduced to the rear wing. Um, be interested to see if Steve has found anything else. Yes, that was a very extensive shakedown of the um, Mercedes Formula uh, Formula One W13. I got there in the end. But Steve, is there anything that like you picked out that Jack didn't mention? The rear wing is really interesting. It's got the sort of double sort of. I don't know what to don't know what to call it double dip sort of design to it. It's far more I wouldn't call it conservative but it's just a bit of a you know departure from what we've seen so far and this is what I meant before by teams finding you know sort of tricks there uh, what I think they're trying trying to do is because that horizontal plane is 
very is quite constant compared to the other cars. I think they're trying to get more airflow to spill over the the, the basically the, the wing uprights just to cause a bit of sort of turbulence and dirty air. And this is this is exactly what I was talking about before with teams finding small tricks. I haven't looked at the regulations because I wouldn't even bother to attempt to understand them, but there may be something in there about um, the rear wing needing a certain amount of progressive depth to it. And instead of having it on one consecutive sort of, you know, shape, they've managed to interpret that as two separate shapes either side of the um, the uh, centre element. So th- it's, that's quite interesting. This um, corrugation New Zealand's, tin shed roof thing that's going on on the uh on the side of the floor is interesting as well and i think that might be again a way of having i suppose excess air spill out at high speed just to try and stall the rear rear section of the floor it might also be to just charge air to run along the uh the upper side of the floor uh as well just to try and manage things a wee bit better the packaging for the actual venturis as jack pointed out before is really interesting i think that's the tightest we've seen so far on a car that i think we can expect is the real thing and that's the other interesting thing as well as well i think this might be a bit of a shot across the bow at red bull because they like mercedes could have just shown those renders that we that we saw um as opposed to this car and you know we've been none the wiser but i think this might be a bit of a shot across the bow at them that they are quietly confident that this car is something special and i would be inclined to believe them it looks very very tidy there's nothing really on there that jumps out at me as weird but then again these are entirely new regulations this does make me very scared for aston martin now though they're the only team using this power unit and cooling arrangement who have gone for something completely different. So they've either either clued onto something or they've done what they did last year and sort of shot themselves in the foot of it. So it'll be interesting to see if they attempt to fix that or just blame the regulations as per last year. Overall, really, really tidy. The thing that I was panicking about initially was I couldn't see Nicky Lauder's red, red star on there, but it is there. It's just behind the driver's head below the Ineos logo. So Nicky Lauda does indeed drive with them. The only thing I'm sad about is the uh, absence of black livery. I think that was quite an important message. And for a year where F1 seems to be, dare I say, giving up on the drive for equality, even though I don't think they really attempted much in substance in the first place, I think that's quite a shame. I would have loved to have seen some sort of nod or throwback to that black livery. But social movements aside, I think it's a very, very you know, smart looking car. The other thing I really like about it visually is the is the red underneath the rear wing as well, how it sort of follows the entire intersection of that rear wing. That looks really cool. But um, I want to see lower than that. I want to see these diffusers because we haven't seen anything representative so far. And I think that's where the real differences are going to be. Yeah, I get the feeling when Bahrain comes around and cars are sat on the grid, we're going to see a lot of people hired specifically to stand behind the car on the grid you know, covering the backs of cars and all of that. But, um, yeah, that is the four cars that we've had officially launched this week. There was the some spy shots of the Alfa Romeo that people have seen. I'm just going to put this out to anyone that can actually say anything, if there is anything that anyone's got to say about the uh, camo shots that we saw of the car. Anyone have anything to say about it? The only thing I can really say at the moment is that like it's good that they put all their sponsors on there because at the moment you can't see rich energy, so it means that we may not be in with a shock please, to see please. that uh, Alfa Romeo 
of we've still got on. Alpine. Don't jinx it. <laughs> yeah, they they just signed BWT like BWT, so they expect that to still be their main. Their main BWT spot. rich energy Alpine. <laughs> I <laughs> mean the the the, the, um, the picture that they put online, of course, that rich energy put online was that the car would would be black and gold. But honestly, I think they're just they're taking the piss slightly. <laughs> there are. Um... I'm just having a look at the car again now. The 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 thing I like about Alpha is the fact that they sort of give way to typical convention and always try something a little bit extreme, especially with their front wing. And they've done that this year, if this is the car that they intend to run or at least test with. So it's got the sort of floating or hanging main plane just to try and feed air to the underfloor and, um, you know, uh, I think there there will obviously be a limited amount of flex um, that they're expecting with that wing as well to um, to help them out as well. But um, it looks quite oh, I don't know how to word this bulky. It, it might be the camouflage, but it just looks a little bit cumbersome, especially around the side pot area. There's a very definitive but less extreme interpretation of this double floor design that Aston Martin and Ferrari are doing. But I don't know if it's just, it's probably just the camo and it's obviously doing its job because at the moment it looks quite strange. And that Coke bottle section ends very prematurely to what we're, uh, to what we're used to seeing. It's, it's a lot shorter. It looks like it ends sort of halfway down the gearbox casing. So I don't know if they've left it off to see what sort of airflow changes they get over the, um, the rear suspension and the beam wing. But besides that, it looks very, very similar to what we've seen so far. I mean, the the changes are going to be more, um, uh, you know, uh, besides the side pods, which are all vastly different from each other if you're looking across the entire range. The differences are far more uh, far more difficult to pick out unless you're really, really looking. But yeah, it's a weird looking car. They've done their split airbox arrangement again as well. So I think it might be a continued attempt to try and take that mass off the uh, the roll structure. Whether that works out or not, I don't know. But I think last year's car, one side was to feed the turbocharger and the other side was uh, additional cooling for the batteries. So I imagine they've gone for that, for that setup again. But it's a strange looking car. I'm keen to see it in its livery because at the moment I don't think it's a particularly good looking car. Yeah, that's always something you get with the camos. With the exception of I think it was Red Bull's um maybe it was their 2015 car. The camo on one of their like preseason cars was like very good. And you know, it would be nice to see Red Bull in a different sort of livery, but I know that's never going to happen whilst they are now branded with Red Bull, but Jack, did you have anything to add just whilst we're you know still talking about the Alpha Romeo? Uh, no, I think Steve's pretty much plucked everything <laughs> from the picture. Yeah, the, those side pods are certainly the most distinctive part about it. Whether or not that's a good or bad thing is yet to be seen. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, no, honestly, not much more I could add, to be honest. Yeah, that's perfectly valid. So yeah, just of the cars that we've had revealed so far, then just want to get people's favorite liveries, you know, maybe a top three, because, you know, we've all mentioned the ones that we do really like, you know, I really like the Mercedes. The McLaren is a very close, like maybe second or third, depending on how I feel on the day about the Ferrari, which is also in that top three, you know, it's just what I imagined, but Louis, your top three liveries so far, please. My opinion hasn't really changed since last week on the on the McLaren. I, I really do like it. And 
it is just for me it's just a really nice car and even though it's it comes from a place of heavy bias i, I can't i can't say that i don't like it because i because i really do so i think number one would be mclaren i think number two would be ferrari i just love that they've gone for a bit of a darker red and they've sort of blended that with the black it looks very it looks very nice and then number three i would go with aston martin Oh, some good choices there. Steve, your top three liveries so far, please. Can I pick Ferrari three times? <laughs> no, if, if, if you were the uh, Ferrari Association, perhaps. <laughs> no, for, for me, it's the Ferrari and, and like miles ahead in first. Um, I think second, Williams, actually, purely because that dark blue reminds me of the old Simtech livery. And then third... Uh, I don't know. It's hard to pick between Mercedes and Aston Martin. I think I like the Aston just because they've gotten rid of that god-awful pink. It just didn't work. That green was far too dull. They've obviously, you know, just smartened it up for this year. So I think as a as a point of difference in the fact they've actually put some effort into the livery this year, I'd, I'd go with the Aston for third. Yeah, perfectly valid reasons. Jack, your um, three, please. I think my top one's got to be the Ferrari. The more and more pictures I see of that car, it's just it get, keeps getting better, which I couldn't say about a lot of Ferraris recently. <laughs> the second and quite close actually would be Aston Martin for me. I love that they've gone back to that GT style, especially with the lime yellow green uh, highlights. It's very um, GT1 era um, livery, and I'm all for that. Third, I want it to be Mercedes, but I want it to be the rendered Mercedes because I think that looks miles better from the shots they released than the um, the, the one they tested. I think even then it'd be Mercedes, but closely followed by McLaren and fourth. I don't like what they've done with that livery. And I'm presuming the gold, the blue, sorry, the blue on the McLaren is for golf. And golf liveries normally look amazing. And that one's just not doing it for me. The face that Louis giving Jack right now for the people who are listening as opposed to watching on YouTube. Priceless. Go back to the YouTube video and watch it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, now we usually give an opportunity to the uh, guests to, to give a bit of a promo. So, Louis, let's start with you. You know, where can people, you know, find you online if that is what they wish to do? yeah god forbid um they want to find me uh you can follow me on twitter which is at l underscore g underscore edwards if you really want to know what my opinions on some <laughs> various things in the world you can um you can follow me on that otherwise i do write some articles for spotlight pro some f1 just uh covering the the f1 weekend sometimes doing my own opinion pieces so yeah go check them out yeah do go and check them out. And Steve, on to you. Um, Formula Shakedown, you know, people, where can people find it? What What is it? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we are on Facebook and basically we're, so there's a consortium of different Shakedown groups. So there's stuff for GT and MotoGP and that sort of thing as well. Um, but the four, they're, they're, they're all built along the same uh, MO of just basically being a non-toxic, constructive, you know, um, positive you know positive association and that sort of thing so obviously there's a lot of groups out there which just attract all sorts of unpleasantness so we're we're there or our we're trying to get away from that so got loads of members around three and a half thousand four thousand or so on the formula shakedown thing i really should know as a moderator but i don't off the top of my head um but no you can find us on facebook feel free to send a join request tell them i sent you and if you don't that's fine but yeah like come and find us yeah 
F1 certainly does need its uh, non-toxic locations at the minute, especially over the last couple of years. Just anywhere online has been horrible to be in for the most part. Not naming any subreddits or social media platforms. But Jack, um, what about you? I believe you also write for Spotlight Prep. Yes, I believe the owners of Spotlight would wish I did a bit more often. Um, If you want to follow me, again, if you really, really want that, um, you can probably best find me on Twitter at J underscore C underscore Watson. I didn't just read that off my phone, I promise. Yeah, uh, probably the most active I'll be. I'll occasionally be on the podcast, obviously. Otherwise, I will write more techie slash historical focused articles on Spotlight at the minute. I say at the minute. I'm due a finishing up a series on some of the biggest innovations in F1. So when I do finally get around to finishing that, sorry, George, you can find me on there. Cool. Uh, and if anyone fancies following me uh, for most platforms, it's at Rubes, one R, two U's, a B and a Z, B-E-Z. And I'm mostly just doing this at the minute because everything else is on hold. But if you fancy following me, that's entirely up to you. I hate social media. Anyway, um, Grid Talk is now available on Amazon as well as YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Casts. Just search F1 Grid Talk. There's a huge back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results, and even shows like this where you know we talk about cars from a visual perspective for a non-visual medium. We are on Reddit, search for the subreddit F1 Grid Talk, and we also have a Patreon for mics, lights, and better recording equipment. You can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise on uh, f1chronicle.com forward slash store. Also make sure you subscribe to be the first to know when each new episode is released. We'll be back soon with plenty of more F1 content, but thank you very much for joining me, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, and thank you very much for listening, and goodbye.